Well, again, as we worship together here this morning, uh, we now invite you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, a text of Scripture uh, which is much needed for those that Alex just prayed for, the persecuted church around the world, but for all of us in our own personal sufferings and sorrows of life. Here is a word from the Lord to us, and may His Spirit bless His word as we read it together. I'm going to begin my reading in verse 1 down through verse 7, a text that you will uh, soon hear as familiar and meaningful, a glorious Christmas text for us all. Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 1, There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And surely all of God's people, wherever they are, whoever they are, however they are doing, uh, may rightly and loudly say amen to this word from God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I know of no Christmas text more utterly transcendent and exalted and glorious than this one. Isaiah made this prediction some 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and it pre-announces the Messiah's birth in, in words that are of ascending glory and almost staggering majesty. Now, I want us to expound this text of Scripture this week and next, this prophetic word in a way that I hope and pray will lift our weary hearts, lift our worn hearts. There will be three headings for today's message and next week's. The need for the Messiah, and then the titles of the Messiah, and then the triumph 
of the Messiah. So let's, let's begin with the need for the Messiah. Look again, beginning in verse 1, and I'm going to read again down through verse 5. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who have dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Down to verse 4, For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. This, This text teaches us that the light has dawned when the darkness was deep. And as we look at the text, we can discern what the the darkness is that led to the need for a Messiah, the need for the coming of the Christ. Just look at the words. God had allowed His people to experience a number of sorrows. In verse 1, they had experienced gloom and anguish. They were agonizing sorrows. There was great pain. There was even despair, anguish, and agony of heart. In verse 1 again, we see that they had experienced contempt. They were treated by others with significant disrespect and contempt, looked down on, trivialized, uh, demonized even by others. And then in verse 4, this darkness involved oppression. There were those that God had allowed into their lives and into their experience who were pushing them down and holding them down and keeping them down. And then uh, he goes on to talk in verse 4 about a yoke that had been placed around the neck of the people of God. There was a rod and there were tramping boots and there had been blood. So the, the people of God had felt agonized, gloom and anguish. They had felt trivialized with contempt. They had felt tyrannized by oppression, dehumanized by a yoke of slavery, brutalized by being trampled underfoot and under the boot of enemies so that blood, their blood, had been spilt. All of this because of sin in their own lives. They had fallen into darkness. The oppression of others, the guilt of their own sin. Sin had made a profound ruin of their lives, as it always does. Uh, In the words of one man, They were benighted and degraded. Nighttime had settled. Deep, dark nighttime had settled over and around the people of God. And they were degraded. They were looked down on and despised by neighboring countries, both near and far away. I know that we we all can 
speak of our own personal darkness. We can all speak of our own personal trials, our own personal experiences of oppression and tyranny and wrongdoing and injustice and sorrow, those things that brutalize us, those things that traumatize us. We can all speak of our own personal stories, but this morning I want us to think together. I want us to feel this together. We all have been victimized, if you will, by our sin. We have all come under the anguish and the contempt and the oppression and the slavery and the trampling of heart and conscience that sin produces. Nighttime. Nighttime lingers over. Darkness lingers over. Every person ever born. Then in different ways, at different levels, to different degrees, it comes back and, and seems to settle again on the people of God. This is the darkness that Jesus came to dispel. And this is why the Messiah needed to come. It's in this setting and in this context that verse 2 comes to us. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shown a prediction about our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and it's in this context that verse 6 comes to us. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government, the government, the ruling power and authority in this dark and depraved world, the government shall rest upon His shoulder. And His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I can imagine when Isaiah first stood to proclaim this message back in ancient times, how it must have fallen on the ears of the ancient Israelites who were in deep darkness. As Isaiah stood and proclaimed to us, a child will be born, a son will be given, and he will dispel this darkness. And indeed, that same announcement comes to us. Now in the past tense, a son has been born, a child has been given. Darkness is being dispelled by the coming of the light. And as we, as we find ourselves in these last few days of 2020, this year of darkness, this, this year in many ways of gloom and fear and anguish, uh, this word comes to us again. This word comes to us again. Into this darkness a light shines. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This is the great wonder of the Christian faith. Here is perhaps the greatest miracle and the most astonishing claim of the Christian faith. That God in His Son Jesus Christ, He who was and is the Creator of the universe, who is and was and always will be the Lord of the cosmos. He who stands at one level outside of and above all of creation. He, in the words of Isaiah chapter 57, who inhabits eternity. That One 
has become a child born. That one has become a son given. That one has become the light of the world, piercing the darkness that surrounds us. Why? Why was there a need for the Messiah? Uh, The need is seen in the darkness that is all around us in this world. But that brings us secondly to the titles of the Messiah. The titles of the Messiah. And as we, as we look at these, I want to make sure that we look at these not in the abstract, not just as names or titles, but I want us to, to look at these as being titles that are given to Jesus for our sake. Remember, it says to us a child is born and a son is given. This one with these august and these glorious titles, this one is for us. This one is given to us. He is these things in our behalf. He is these things for our sake. So who is this one given to us? Verse 6, He is our wonderful Counselor. Our wonderful Counselor. The ancient Hebrew language here is a little difficult to, to know what the emphasis is meant to be in the mind of Isaiah as he made this proclamation. It could either be on that he is a wonder as a counselor or that he is a wonderful counselor. Either way, either way, the truth is this, that he is wondrous, that he is wonderful, that he, that he inspires and, and he moves us to a sense of wonder and awe, and He is a wonderful counselor. He is advisor. He is truth teller. He is guide. He is counselor for us. Oh, how we need wonderful counsel from the wonderful counselor. How we need to be people who are taught by and advised by and guided by this one who is wonderful. Because Isn't it so true that our counsel and our ideas and and our opinions all falter and they all fail? They all come so far short of what we need. We need divine counsel. We we need infallible counsel. We need a word from God. And, And dear ones, we have that in Christ who is God's word incarnate, God's word in the flesh. And we have that counsel that word in the scriptures which is God's word written down God's word incarnate in Christ in the scriptures inscripturated in the Bible and we need to be people if we are seeing Christ rightly if we are understanding this title he's a wonderful counselor we need to be those who are looking to him for that counsel and finding that counsel in his word we must recognize That in Christ, in His revelation of who God is, and in the Scriptures, we have all the wisdom we will ever need. It is an infallible word. It is infallible counsel. All Scripture, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for 
teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you need to be complete? Do you need to be equipped? Do you need to be prepared for life and prepared for ministry and prepared to cope? Then go to the Word. Go to the wonderful counsel and counselor that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those those who are in darkness have seen a great light, and part of that light is a wonderful counselor. Secondly, a mighty God. He is mighty God. In, in the ancient Hebrew, uh, the name is El Gibor. El Gibor. God, El means God, Gibor means Mighty. He is God the Mighty One. The one who was born in Bethlehem's manger was no one less than God who is mighty. Very often, don't we, uh, and perhaps most often by far, we, we think of Jesus as the gentle one and the lowly one and We are so thankful, aren't we, that he is gentle and lowly of heart, that in his gentleness he cares for us and he doesn't he doesn't break the bruised reed, he doesn't he doesn't smash us or or crush us with his might, but he gently lifts us. But I think we need to think of Jesus too as El Gabor. He is the mighty one, the mighty God. And, and the word mighty in uh, the Old Testament scriptures appears many, many times and most often appears to describe men of valor, men who were valiant in warfare, men who were mighty, men who were heroic and brave and defending and guarding and fighting in behalf of the people of God. And, and Isaiah, under the Spirit's inspiration, chooses that word to describe the Messiah. He is God the valiant one. He is God the hero for us. He is God who is mighty to save us, mighty to defend us, mighty to protect us, mighty to guard us, mighty to fight in our behalf. It brings to mind Psalm 24, verses 7 through 10. Psalm 24, verse 7, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And who is this King of glory? He is the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? He is the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. What, what a great Christmas text for us. The King of glory, the one who is Lord of hosts, who is strong and mighty, mighty in battle. He comes to us and dispels the darkness. He comes to us, valiant and heroic, to protect us and defend us. 
This is what we need in these troubling days. This is what we need in these days of darkness. We, we need one who will stand with us and for us and in our behalf to protect us and keep us, strengthen us in the face of great opposition, in the face of hell's assaults. I, I was thinking uh, this past week about my life of faith. Um, I was 15 years old when I came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God broke into my world of unbelief, the darkness of my own sin and self, and rescued me and led me to see that Jesus died for me and lives for me. And by faith alone in Him, there is salvation and there is grace. I remember that when I was 15, but I also remember this as a 15-year-old. I asked myself the question, how in the world will I endure in faith? This world is so broken, so hostile, so dark. How, how in the world will I as a 15-year-old survive in my faith to the day when I'm 60 or 70 or 80 years of age, how will I keep on fighting the good fight of faith? How will I persevere? I remember thinking that with fear and with concern. Well, I am now 62 years old. And how has faith endured? I will tell you this it is because God in Christ is El Gabor, He is the valiant one who has stood with me and by me and for me against all odds. And every one of us listening to, watching this message right now, who's been in the faith for longer than 30 seconds, uh, is so because El Gabor is with you. Uh, he is your mighty God. He is your valiant hero. He is that one who never leaves or forsakes. So if you are weary in faith, He is fighting for you. Are you weak in faith? The mighty God is on your side. Are you feeling like you simply cannot bear any more burden or sorrow or loss in your life? The Lord is strong and mighty. El Gabor has been born. God Almighty is with us. He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is third everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. We need to be sure here that we're not getting confused. It's not as if this text is saying that the Son of God is the Father, uh, our Heavenly Father, the first person of the Trinity. The, the, the word Father here is, is being used more figuratively. He is Father to us, the one who provides for us and protects us. He is the everlasting Father provider, the one who never dies, the one who never fails, the, never, the one who never stops loving us, never stops caring for us and watching out over us and for us. The Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday 
and today and forever. Which means, which means that the one who was born to us is Father to us. The one who was given for us is for us forever and forever. So that whatever we need, whatever may be our peril, whatever may be our loss, whatever may be our grief, Christmas has happened. The everlasting Father provider has come to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it means that what no human father could ever be. And I know that our human fathers are so flawed that we who are fathers are so flawed, so fallible. But what no human father could ever be, the everlasting Messiah is for us. One who never leaves and never forsakes. He is wonderful counselor. He is El Gabor, mighty God. He is everlasting Father, and He is Prince of Peace. What a, what a name. What a title for the Messiah. Prince, King, Ruler of Peace. He rules in peace. He rules with peace. He rules to bring about peace. And this peace has entered into our lives. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. We have been justified. We have been accepted. We are no longer the enemies of God. The wrath of God no longer rests upon us and hovers over us. We are now at peace with God and He is at peace with us through the Prince of Peace who offered Himself on the cross to make peace by atoning for our sin and redeeming us from wrath. He is the Prince of Peace. He brings peace with God. He brings peace of conscience. Because of the cross, because He atoned for our sins, we don't have to live with a conscience that is is burdened down with grief and shame and and guilt. We, We have peace of conscience. We know our sins are forgiven. We know through Christ that we are right with God. This Prince of Peace brings peace with God and peace of conscience. He also brings the peace of God so that no matter what we're going through, no matter how hard it is, no matter how the conflicts surround us and seem to press in on us, we have peace internally, the peace of God, the peace that God gives because of Christ. And we have peace with others. He is that one who has not only reconciled us to God, but through the cross, Ephesians chapter 2, He has made peace between us and others so that we who were once not only enemies of God, but enemies of each other, are now one in the Gospel. May it be that this peace, this Prince of Peace, may rule in our hearts so that we experience peace with God. We experience peace of conscience. We experience the peace of God. And we experience increasing peace with one another. There will be no peace apart from the Prince of Peace. Uh, But through the Messiah, 
the darkness of conflict and hatred and animosity in all directions, that darkness will be lifted. A light has shone into this dark world. Next week, we'll look at the triumph of the Messiah as we consider this text further together. But there is great courage. There is great hope to be found in this passage of God's Word. There's great hope to be found specifically in the names of the Messiah. I would want to encourage all of us to, to do some meditating on the names of Christ. This week I took the time to work my way through Isaiah to glean from the text the various names of the Messiah. And what a blessing it was to my own heart. He is Emmanuel, God here to be with us. He is Yahweh, the I Am who was and is and always will be for us. He is the branch of the Lord, a, a tree of strength and shade for us. He is the Lord of hosts to take on all who stand against us. He is the great light to shine upon and within us. He is the child born and the son given to be brother to us. He is the wonderful counselor to teach and advise us. He is El Gabor, the mighty God to defend us. He is the everlasting father to protect and provide for us. He is the prince of peace to pour shalom into our hearts and lives. He is the crown of glory. He is a man of sorrows to suffer and die for us. He is the diadem of beauty that enthralls and delights us. He is the cornerstone to secure us, the foundation to establish us, the shepherd to carry and guard and feed us. He is the first to go before us. He is the last to follow after us. He is the redeemer to ransom and deliver us. He is the servant of God who obeyed the Father all the way to the cross for us. He is the mighty man to stand with us. He is the man of war to fight for us. He is the Savior to rescue us, the Lamb to atone for us, the Maker to create us, the Holy One of Israel to sanctify us. He is the high and lifted up One to humble us and then exalt us to His right hand. He is all these. He is all these. Maybe that this week we will cherish the wonderful titles and names of the Messiah. And may it be that this will fill us, this will move us as we move further into this Christmas season to help us realize it's not about the presents, it's not about the trees, it's not about the decorations, it is about the one who is our Messiah Prince, a child, a child born, a son given for us, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Can I suggest to you that if you have never met this Messiah before, if, if you've never been really introduced to him, 
make sure that today and in coming days you get to know who he is because at the end of the day you need all that he is you need wonderful counsel you need it because in your own heart and life and in this world you cannot find it anywhere else and you need a valiant hero El Gabor, a mighty God who will stand with you and for you. And you need a faithful, everlasting Father, a Father who will never fail you. And you need peace. Peace with God. The peace of God. Peace of conscience. And peace with others. The Messiah is all of that. May He be all of that to us in our lives. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are standing amazed as we think about the Messiah, as we think about the Anointed One, the Lord Jesus. As we consider the darkness all around us and realize that a light has come and has shined into the darkness And that light is the light of the world. It's available to all who will call upon Him in faith. Father, if those in the sound of my voice, if if they have never called upon Christ, may this be the day when the light dawns in their heart. For all of us, who have called upon Christ, but find ourselves still in a dark world, oh, that we would catch a fresh glimpse of the Savior, that the light would pierce the darkness that surrounds us, that our eyes would see and our hearts would rejoice, that wonder will fill us once again, that hope and peace will be ours. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If, as you have heard this message in your own heart, you have realized your need for Christ, please contact us. If you are not a member of Risen Hope Church, please contact us and let us know. We would love to talk to you and lead you to the light that Jesus is. If you are a part of the church and are finding yourself feeling the darkness close in around you, please let us know so that we might once again help you to see the light that the Messiah is. So as we close, let me, let me close with a benediction that is a prayer of God's blessing upon us all. O Lord our God, triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you please come and be with your people? Heavenly Father, may your love fill us with joy. Jesus, our Messiah, may the light of your grace shine in upon us. And Holy Spirit, You who are the author and sustainer of our fellowship and our communion with God, would you please continue to work in us that communion grace. 
And Father, may it be that until we meet again, we will know that you are with us, never to fail us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God be with you. Amen.